0: No. Mm-hmm.
1: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to our title sponsor, Big O Tires. Winter tires starting at only $49.95, only at Big O Tires. They have no credit needed financing available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Gordon, coming up here momentarily. He, uh, We appreciate him joining us because uh, I'll tell you what, with this truncated offseason, it's not like he's busy or anything.
2: No, it's not at all. <laughs>
1: In fact, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from Sports Illustrated, he is our friend Chris Mannix. Chris, thank you so much. We would just made the joke. Uh, we we appreciate the time because with this uh, truncated offseason, it's not like you're busy or anything.
0: I know. Everything, everything just keeps moving, man. Everything just uh, seems like the offseason lasts about a minute and a half, and now <laughs> right back into it.
1: <laughs> well, let's let's start, of course, talking about the Jazz. What have you thought about their offseason thus far?
0: Uh, I think it's been solid. I mean, you... I mean, you start with with Donovan Mitchell and getting that extension done, which, I mean, is a pretty easy decision to make if you're the Jazz, but you want to get that done quickly. And based on what I've seen from Donovan, he's obviously ecstatic about that, and that's what you want, you know, from the face of your franchise. And, look, they accomplished a lot early in the offseason. I'd be lying if I thought that the favors move uh, didn't surprise me, uh, given, you know, kind of how it – it ended, but, uh, you know, you know what he can bring to the table. Like he's a, a very solid player at multiple positions and you need a guy that can, that can do what he does. So, you know, I like what they did. I mean, the next question of course is go bear and how that all shakes out. But, um, you know, they, I think they had a productive off season and, and we'll see if the natural development of some of their guys, uh, you know, starting with Mitchell, you know, pushes them to another level.
2: Yeah, a couple things there, uh, Chris. Uh, I think Donovan Mitchell will continue because he's so conscientious. You know how he is. He he works his tail off and he wants to be great. So he seems to be on that trajectory that would, that would suggest that to more of that in the future. And I think Derek Favors does add to their. They had some defensive woes last year, and he will help them in that regard. Remember the year before when he was with the Jazz, they were the second-rated defense in the league. And he he had something to do with that. And so you take that and you add, I mean, you retain Jordan Clarkson. If they had lost him, that would have been a big blow because they wouldn't have the scoring off the bench. So yeah, I, I agree with what you said. And I would expect them to be better this next year than they were this last.
0: Yeah. They, they prioritized Clarkson in the off season because of what you said. He, he did bring uh, a scoring punch, that bench, and if they lost him, they wouldn't, uh, they really wouldn't have much to replace him. But again, it, you know, with, with the jazz, I mean, it's a lot of the same questions. They went into the start of last year, whether it's Mike Conley and how quickly he's going to be effective. Will it take him time again, or will he be able to hit the ground running uh, this year based on what he did uh, last year, go and Mitchell. I mean, how will they play together? They seem pretty effective uh, during their time in the bubble, but you know, they are, they past all that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing that they're not talking about incorporating multiple new pieces how they'll all fit it's just a question of you know the guys they have you know what kind of steps forward will they take and uh you know how effective how effective will they be you know it's uh you kind of know what you have with the jazz you just want to see what they're going to do moving forward
1: I want to ask you about the delicate situation that is Rudy Gobert's contract extension. We've talked to you about it many times leading up to it, but the time is here where they're uh, you know, supposedly uh, negotiating it. Uh, Rudy eligible for the Supermax. I would guess that the Jazz would not be real excited about meeting that price tag. Uh, talk about these negocia- negotiations and how uh, important they are.
0: Yeah, it, it's important because you certainly want to have one of your tentpole guys locked in before free agency uh, next summer. And, you know, we know that there will be teams out there with cap space that are, you know, kind of sitting on the Giannis uh, talks and, and where that goes uh, moving forward. So you want to lock him down. But the question is going to be, what's the number? And and that's kind of the great unknown in all this. It's not going to be the super max. It may not even be a max level contract. I mean, there there may be some wiggle room in between that the Jazz and Rudy Gobert have to face. And I guess the question will be with Gobert, you know, does he want to roll the dice, uh, you know, when he's a year older and hope that a big contract is available to him? I mean, more often than not, you know, guys tend to want to take, you know, the bird in the hand. And if there's a big contract on the table from Utah, you don't want to risk injury, especially if you're a big man at this stage of your career. Uh, and if you're comfortable in your environment, you want to lock in long-term. So it's hard to, to give any kind of prediction on how this plays out without knowing, you know, kind of how far apart they are. And I don't know at this point how far apart uh, the Jazz and and Gobert are in in their discussions. But it's certainly something I think both sides are motivated to get done before the start of the season. Do you think it would be
2: reasonable, Chris, for the Jazz just to offer a scotch more than anybody else can offer without going full Supermax?
0: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, your cap flexibility – Going forward is going to be limited. I mean, you are going to get a big number off the books with Mike Conley, and uh, that'll certainly help. But if you're tying yourself to these two guys, you're you're effectively limiting what you can do with that third piece. If there is a third piece, that's potentially out there. Um, yeah, I, I think look, it behooves both sides to get a deal done. You know, Gobert has been incredibly productive with the Jazz during his time there. Uh, he clearly works in that Quinn Snyder system. They didn't have. You know the kind of success that they hope to have in the restart last season, but that there a lot. You know, there's a lot of factors at play uh, with what happened down there. Um, I, I think it, it just makes sense. You know, for you know for both sides to find a number that works. And again, I, I don't I don't want to make too many, any predictions there. Cause I just don't know enough about the specifics of the talks, but I, I do believe that both sides want to get a deal done.
1: Chris, you cover the Celtics clo- uh, closely. T- uh, take us through Gordon Hayward's exodus from Boston.
0: Well, I, I mean, G- Gordon Hayward is the free agency winner of all time. Like, he just is. I mean, it's, you know, you go and you get a max contract in from Charlotte, you know, back in 2014 that allows you to become a free agent three years ago and get a max contract from Boston. Then you turn around at 30 years old coming off, a fairly turbulent three seasons and convince the Hornets to give you $30 million per year over four years. I mean, that's a wild contract. I mean, Gordon is a good player, uh, but, you know, it's been a rough go for him. You know, some of these, you know, some of no fault of his own. I mean, he he had the major injury three years ago. and was banged up, you know, over the course of last season. But if you're Charlotte, I'm not sure what you're getting out of this. I mean, you're not a playoff team, even with Gordon Hayward. You just finished one bad contract with uh Nick Batum and now you're effectively tying yourself to Nick Batum 2.0 you know a four-year contract that I'm not sure they're going to want on their books in the years to come that's going to be pretty hard to trade I think down the line so I mean it you know it, his exit from Boston to directly answer your question wasn't all that surprising I mean it was not a pleasant experience uh, for Gordon in Boston again a lot of it wasn't you know it was just, you know, bad luck with the leg injury, then trying to come back from the leg injury while doing it in a toxic environment that was created in part by Kyrie Irving and everything that went on there. And then last year, you know, y- your role is diminished, you know, as Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum ascended to higher levels. So I didn't blame Gordon Hayward for wanting to move on. He did want to play in Indiana, Look, that-, that was true. Like they were trying to work out a deal with the Pacers, but the Celtics weren't you know open to what the Pacers had to offer so we just turned around and you know took the money, frankly. You're not going to win in Charlotte the next four years, but you are going to get paid nicely. You'll put up some pretty good numbers and you know then maybe hit free agency in four years and, and see where you're at.
2: Chris, uh, tell me if I'm reading too much into this, but uh, it, as last year was unfolding, when you saw Hayward on the court, he almost looked like, <laughs> for lack of a better term, a lost puppy dog out there at times. And it seemed as though there might be some sort of wall between him and his teammates is that reading too much
0: i don't think there was a wall with him and his teammates i think there were issues with hayward in year two but it had more to do with how the coaching staff handled hayward the coaching staff was basically force feeding him minutes to try to get him back to being himself at the cost of players who felt that they deserved those minutes so i don't think they you know players Held that against Gordon Hayward at the start of the year before the hand injury, he was playing great. Like he started the season really strong and just you know things kind of happened. He came back, then there's the stoppage, then he comes back in the bubble, and there's the ankle injury. He just had a, a host of, of, of bad luck problems, you know, as as a member of the Celtics. Um, so I, yeah, I don't think it was if there was any issues with Hayward and his teammates it just didn't work out. And sometimes that, that happens. I mean, nobody expects a catastrophic leg injury five minutes into your playing career there, but that really had ramifications for everything else with Gordon Hayward.
1: Chris Mannix from sports illustrated with us here on 97, five and in of the zone. I want to ask you about the Lakers and uh, this may be hard for jazz fans to hear, but it seems like they've upgraded significantly this off season.
0: Yeah, I really like their off season and they capped it really well with Marc Gasol because I think they needed that big body. I mean, Montrezl Harrell is an excellent player, but we all know Anthony Davis likes to play off of uh, another traditional big man and not having a Dwight Howard, not having a JaVale McGee who was ultimately traded that you need Marcus Gasol uh, in that mix and everything else just made a lot more sense with Gasol on board. I mean, Harrell can split between two, the forward, the center, Uh, I think Dennis Schroeder is an upgrade over Danny Green. Uh, They made some nice moves, you know, bringing back Antavius Caldwell-Pope. I mean, they they just – they did. I think they got better around the fringe. They still have the core of that team is very much intact with LeBron AD and, to a lesser degree, Kyle Kuzma. But the supporting cast got better. And if you're the rest of the NBA, uh, that's got to be pretty scary, especially when you factor in that, you know, they got guys that should, for the most part, fit in seamlessly. I mean, Dennis Schroeder is used to being – a sixth man after playing in Oklahoma city, Marcus Saul is not coming to the Lakers to be a star. So they've got guys that they're going to fit in pretty effortlessly in what they're doing. And uh, you know, if LeBron's healthy and AD's healthy, you have to look at the Lakers as a strong favorite to repeat once again.
2: Of course, I know you're busy uh, tracking everything that's going on in the NBA proper, but have you had a chance to consider the draft and who, who might be
0: a winner there and who might not? You know, it's hard to to assess winners and losers because I wasn't sitting there four years ago saying Pascal Siakam's definitely going to be the most improved player in two years after you know being drafted 27th, and I wasn't driving the Draymond Green bus. I wasn't driving the Rudy Gobert bus, frankly, when he was uh, drafted uh, many years ago. So it's just it's tough. I mean, you, you like what certain teams did. I mean, I think Charlotte getting Lamelo Ball. That's a team that badly needs star power, so it's good on them uh, to do that. Boston got some shooters; they badly need shooting, so on paper, uh, that's a good thing. You, I say, you know, Denver. When Denver targets a guy the way they did R.J. Hampton, I-, I take notice to that because the Nuggets have been really good at these distressed assets. They did it a couple of years ago with Michael Porter Jr., who is terrific. Uh, bull, bull, you know emerged in the bubble as a really good player they just signed him to a two-year contract you, you know when the nuggets make a move to go get a guy that that says something to me and they they moved up to draft rj hampton with that 24th overall pick and i wonder if they're going to be teams that picked after that that are shaking their heads in years to come like why didn't we go get rj hampton because i thought rj hampton was an incredibly over scouted player i mean everybody was so locked into what he didn't do when he played overseas, not really taking into account that, hey, a, a teenage kid playing in New Zealand might have some problems. Uh, in high school, the kid was excellent and per, uh, viewed as a prospective perte- uh, top five pick. So uh, that, that's something that I took notice of. And the Nuggets go out and get a guy. They've got a track record of success finding guys outside of that top ten.
1: Chris, what do you think Houston's going to do?
0: <laughs> I don't know because their season sends mixed messages. I mean, they trade Robert Covington to recoup some draft capital. That tells me that maybe they're trying to rebuild. They signed Demarcus Cousins, albeit on a make good type contract. That tells me something different. Christian Wood, I don't. I might be alone or in the minority here on Christian Wood, but I, I don't. I don't see it. I mean, I. I don't really get rewarding a guy for putting up numbers, you know, for one year on a bad team. And that's what the Pistons were last year, when Wood was putting up those numbers, and he's not really a center even though he has the height to be, to play that position. And you've got two guys coming to camp and James Harden, and Russell Westbrook that have made it pretty clear that they don't want to be there. So you throw in a new general manager, a new head coach. I mean, that has the potential to be really combustible right from the start. So I, 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 I can't say I know what they're doing. I think ultimately guys, you're going to see the Rockets break the whole thing up. What has to happen first though, is there has to be a home for Russell Westbrook and I'm not sure where that home is. At the moment, uh, I don't see a natural fit there. I don't, I don't really understand a Washington swap with John Wall, and that didn't really go anywhere, uh, right off the bat. Miami's not shown a lot of interest. The Knicks, you know they used to be that dumb, but I don't think they're that dumb anymore. So I, I just I don't see I don't see a fit for Westbrook, and until you find a fit for Westbrook, it's a, it's a big time risk to trade a James Harden.
2: So update us, will you, Chris? Uh, what do you? What, how would you rank your top three teams in the East, and where do you put the th- top three teams in the West?
0: Well, I mean, Milwaukee's probably going to finish the regular season with the best record. They're just once again built to be a great regular season team with the shooting they have. I think Drew Holiday's an upgrade over, uh, you know, over Eric Bledsoe in that mix. So I think they're. At least at the top in the regular season, you got to put Brooklyn number two right now. I mean, the Nets. Yeah, I think Kevin Durant is poised for a monster year. I think Kevin Durant's going to come back with a vengeance, and I think he and Kyrie are going to play pretty well off each other. And the other guys, you know, hopefully for their sake, will figure it out. And then it's kind of a, a crapshoot after that. Is Miami as good as they were last year? They bring basically the band back together, so they should be. Uh, is how much of a hit does Boston take? losing Hayward. Uh, they did add Tristan Thompson, who I think is going to help them. Uh, Jeff Teague, is, I think, is going to help them as a backup. Uh, so I think it's kind of a street fight for the third overall season. That's how I kind of see the top three in the East. The West, it's, it, it's kind of a comparable pecking order. I think the, the Lakers are up at the top once again. And honestly, I think the Clippers did okay this, this offseason. It, it you know raised my eyebrow when they didn't make a strong push to go after Montrez Harrell. But, you know, look, Serge Ibaka might make more sense to them. You know, Serge Ibaka is a better perimeter shooter. He's a rebounder, a shot blocker, and he's got great chemistry with Kawhi Leonard. Those two were really close uh, during their one season together in Toronto. So uh, I think they'll they'll be just as good uh, this year in the regular season they were last year. And again, the number three spot it, it's just a fight. It's it's whoever's there. I mean, I, you know, Golden State I don't think is, is obviously not going to be as good without Clay, but you know they'll be significantly improved. Denver, Utah uh, is Houston going to be in that mix? Uh, I, I think the third seed in the Western Conference is is going to be a fight.
1: Chris, thank you so much for coming on with us. We appreciate it. Anytime, guys. There you go. That's our friend Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Great guest to have on today, Austin. Uh, great job, uh, uh, Nab and Chris, helping uh, having him come on and help us digest some of the stuff. Uh, it was t- hard to find his phone number, but uh, <laughs> I got it done. You know, <laughs> we've only had him on a time or two before. Um, what he said about Houston there, uh, Gordon, and we covered a lot of ground with Chris, but that right now is the biggest, um, off season storyline in my mind is what is that franchise going to do?
2: Yeah, it's a good question. And I'm not sure anybody has the answer it, 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 You know, the hands might be forced to just do something desperate.
1: Well, I don't know yeah. what that would be because I, I don't, the, if you were going to do something desperate, you'd prefer to do a desperate with Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook, right? But I don't think well, anybody wants that contract. Yeah, maybe maybe you move James Harden and say, "Hey, uh, you have to take Westbrook too if you're going to take Harden." But that then we're talking about so much money. I don't know how uh, a team could possibly, you know, match that salary wise.
0: Yeah,
2: that's that's pretty impossible. I would say if they if they if they want to move one of those guys, then they I think they should do everything they can to load up. Uh, sort of uh, one year deals that they can dump and, and and begin again. you know I mean, does that sound too simplistic?
1: Well it doesn't uh, sound it, like something their owner would want to do <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah I mean think about yeah, I guess, but think of what the jazz did. you know they, the way they went about rebuilding their their thing, I mean it wasn't dry, it wasn't horrible, but they made some smart moves and uh and shifted the thing and uh and I'm going back to uh, when Ty Corbin was a coach, you know, but they they built it up with uh, with I think responsible moves using acumen in the draft, finding the right guys and the question is does uh does that management that ownership uh have the patience to do that?
1: Yeah, I don't know, because you remember Gordon, there were some lean years here at this arena. And, and yeah. um, you know, lean, they never, you know, were the worst team in the league by any means, but there were there were some lean years here. So mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where you can't stay up forever. But, but James Harden is such a valuable asset. You know, moving off somebody like that has got to be difficult because you're never going to get you know, fair value in return. I, I'm not the biggest James Harden fan. I don't particularly like watching him play, but there's no doubt he's, I mean, he's a force offensively. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, You I just got to build your whole team around him. So, anybody, I, I don't know how that would work in certain circumstances that he has said he would like to go, or at least indicated that he would like to go. Like, I, how How do you see that? I know we're talking about Houston, but how do you see that working out in Brooklyn?
1: Yeah, I don't.
2: I, 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 I don't, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would happen there.
1: Well, if I'm Houston, I certainly don't let James Harden dictate where uh, I'm trading him to. Oh, a
2: little vengeance, huh? A little uh, revenge. Well, no, no, no. no. Sure. It's
1: just, I, you know, he's under contract with Houston. If I'm Houston, I'm out there looking for the best deal. I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to uh, accommodate James Harden per se. Yeah. Uh huh.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you asked Chris about the Lakers because man, that team just is getting
1: better. Oh, I it's, mean it's just dumb. The fact that they found a way to get Montrez Harrell from the Clippers is good. Yeah. That, that should be illegal.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean that team is going to be better this year than it was yeah. last year.
1: And and Schroeder uh, is such a big upgrade over Rajon Rondo.
2: I mean And it's, such a difficult matchup for the Jazz in particular. I mean, maybe everybody. I don't know, but he, that guy's hard to stay in front of.
1: And Marcus Sall is no spring chicken, certainly, but you take him as your backup big any day. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's, they've Rob Palinka. You got to give him a, a lot of credit. He's he's really done a, a masterful job this off with not you know a ton of cap room, might I add. And we yeah, didn't even bring up re-signing Anthony Davis, which was pretty much a given. All right, uh, let's jump out to the Zone Phone. Joining us now from Wasatch Medical Clinic. He's our friend, Andrew Reinhardt. And, Andrew, uh, guys don't like to talk about it, but there are a lot of guys out there dealing with uh, ED and dealing with the uh, side effects of the uh, medication. We'll get Andrew back here, coming up here momentarily. Let me, let me, he dropped off the line. Let me take this uh, moment to tease what we've got coming up. David Locke will be with us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. And uh, Derek... Favors himself will be on the big show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. We are very excited uh, for that conversation with, uh, with Derek Favors uh, as he uh, – it became officially official, officially official uh, Derek Favors is uh, going to be back with the Utah Jazz. Uh, did it at a, uh, a press conference uh, earlier today.